Welcome to the How Did You Get Into That podcast. Each week, we want to bring you an inspiring interview or encouraging message to help you find and do work you love. Now, here's your host, Grant Baldwin. What is up, my friends? Welcome to another episode of How Do You Get Into That. My name is Grant. So good to have you here with us today. Hope you're doing well. Hope life is treating you good. Whether you are, uh, you're driving down the road, maybe you're headed to work, headed home from work, maybe you're cooking dinner right now. Mmm, smells good, whatever it is that, that you're making over there. If, if you are actually cooking, you probably just turned and said, like, is he here right now? This feels very stalker-ish, but no, no, it's all right. It's all good. Don't worry. Anyway, wherever you are in the world, whatever you're doing, maybe you're at the gym right now. Maybe you're maybe you're on the treadmill. Maybe you're on the elliptical right now. Maybe you're running down the street. Maybe you're on the trail. If you're running, then I've got a great show for you today because this episode is really going to encourage you, going to inspire you to keep on keeping on, to just keep putting one foot in front of the other. Today, we're joined by my friend, uh, Dean Carnassus. Dean is an ultra marathon runner. He's an author. The guy has, uh, he likes to run, not like, you know, short distances, not like a little 5k or a couple laps around the track, but this guy goes long, long distances. So really cool story, really cool journey. I'm excited to share with you. We talk about something that happened at his 30th birthday that changed everything for him. And I think it's something that you'll definitely be able to relate to. We also talk about um, people that are just on similar paths, doing what you want to do and learning from them. You know, for him, it was skateboarding and surfing, but we'll, we'll talk a little bit about that. Also, make sure you stick around for the bonus material. This is something that we've been doing for the past few episodes. And it's something I don't want you to miss out on because basically what we'll do is you're going to hear the full interview today with Dean. And uh, if you really like it, if you want to hear some more from Dean and his story and journey, we uh, we hop back on the mic for a few more minutes and do a few more minutes of a Q&A just hearing his story and a journey. We talk about how he got started running and also how if you are interested in running, what are some things that you ought to do? And then we also talk about one of his craziest and funniest experiences as a runner as well. So you're not going to want to miss that. Uh, if you are interested in downloading that, you can go to grantbaldon.com slash 79. Again, that's Grant grantbaldon.com slash 79, or you can go to grantbaldon.com slash Dean Carnassus, but I figure you don't know how to spell Carnassus, and uh, it took me a couple times to get it right myself. So let's get into the interview. Here's my uh, chit-chat with Dean Carnassus. Enjoy. Greetings, my friends. Welcome to another episode of How'd You Get Into That. Today, we are joined by Dean Carnassus, who is a, uh, a runner, who is a, not just a runner, but man, the guy's a, a beast of a, a machine, of an athlete, and uh, has his hand in a bunch of different things, entrepreneur today. So excited to get into his story and journey. He was actually someone that really inspired me to get running several years ago when I first started uh, getting into doing a little more healthy activity for my life. So Dean, welcome to the show, man. Good to have you here. Yeah, Grant, it's great to run by. Thank you. Yes, literally and figuratively. So for someone, you know, I gave a little overview there, but for someone that has no idea who you are, what it is that you do, I know for me, I first came across you by uh, my brother-in-law handed me uh, a copy of Ultra Marathon Man, which is a story about you running through the night. And I was like, this guy is is crazy. But today, I mean, in in a lot of ways, you have kind of built a career uh, around running and being an athlete. So how would you describe to someone who's unfamiliar with you what it is that you do? (laughs) <laughs> I'm not sure. I don't even know how to describe it myself. But yeah, no, I think um, I'm an endurance athlete. And when I say endurance athletes, I do events that are not widely publicized, but are kind of crazy. You know, things that when people hear about them, they, they kind of scratch their head and say, huh? <laughs> right. What, what? And it was it was similar to what you said. I mean, I, um, you know, I heard about this, this 100-mile foot race, and I, I kind of scratched my head and, and said, you know, over how many days and, you know, where, where are the hotels, you know, where do you stop along the way? 
And and this guy said, no, you just you just run and try to finish within 24 hours, running 100 miles nonstop. And when I heard that, it was such an expansive, kind of mind-blowing experience to be standing there listening to someone saying a human being you know, I don't even like driving that far right someone could just start you know walk out the front door and run for a hundred miles and and then I went out there and did it myself and kind of turned it into a career was that your first like significant ultra race at the time because I mean obviously you'd been running at the time it wasn't like you you started from nothing but I mean is that the first significant one that you you finished <laughs> well and actually I detail this in my in my first book ultra marathon man you know, I kind of have a checkered past. I uh, I used to love to run as a kid, uh, and then I quit running when I was in high school. I just, you know, basically hung up my running shoes. And and then on the night of my 30th birthday, I hadn't run in 15 years. Uh, I'm in a bar in San Francisco, literally in a nightclub, you know, doing what we do on our 30th birthday. I'm in there with my buddies, you know, doing shots of tequila. And 11 o'clock at night, I just had this wild urge, run. <laughs> You right. used to love to run. There's, you know, there's no intensity left in your life. You know, you you got this cush corporate job. You hate your life. Walk out of the bar and run. So I, I decided that night I was going to run 30 miles to celebrate my 30th birthday. So I literally walked out of the bar. And my buddies were like, "Where are you going? You're you're not a runner. You're drunk." I'm like, "Yeah, I am, but I'm, I'm still going to do it." And I walked out of that bar and started running. And I ran 30 miles straight through the night, seven and a half hours of running, and and that forever changed the course of my life. So that was that was my longest run. Uh, I'd ever done. I'd run a marathon when I was 14 years old. And I didn't even know there was a race beyond a marathon. And then I got introduced to just kind of <laughs> the shadow world of uh, the Silk Road of ultra marathoning. And uh, it just got worse and worse. Whenever you whenever you were at that, your, your 30th party there, so you're in a corporate job, you don't really like it, but it sounds like you just feel trapped and just feel stuck there of, uh, and really no idea what you'd rather be doing instead. Yeah. I, you know, I think George Lucas, you know, he, his quote is the best, you know, we all, we all live in cages with the door wide open. Yeah. So, you know, I'd gone, I kind of done what society prescribed for me to do. You know, I, I thought, okay, here to be successful. Um, you know, you go through college. Um, I went through graduate school and then I went through business school, and you know, and then I got a cush corporate job, um, you know, perks, company car, you know, 401 matching program, everything, stock options, and I thought, okay, I'm going to be so happy, and I I hated getting up in the morning. I'm like, I I don't like being a business guy. I mean, my you know, some of my friends and colleagues, you know, they seem to enjoy it. It's not who I am, and I'm not being true to myself. And and at a point, it just kind of it reached a, a flashpoint. I guess on my 30th birthday. I blame it on a bad tequila. <laughs> and I said, screw it. You know, you, are you going to be 50 years old, you know, bald, overweight, miserable, you know, have what, you know, extramarital affairs, you know, where do you want your life to go? Right. And I said, I, I want my life to go in a different direction. I want to kind of follow my own path. And I resigned my job shortly thereafter. How long after that did uh, that initial run? Because I, I I'm kind of envisioning it where you know you, you're having the party with the with the buddies, you're at the the bar, you're at the club, you go run 30 miles, and you you still got to wake up the next day. So it's not like you can go immediately and quit. Like life still has to go on. How long are you then in that that same career position before you decide to like I, I've had enough? I've got I've got to do something different. Yeah, that's a that's a really good question. And you know, people say change takes time. I don't believe that. I, I believe change takes an instant <laughs> you know the the the, uh, the urge to change can kind of be percolating for a long time but once you cross that chasm once you say i'm going to change you're pretty much dedicated to that new path so i knew uh, after that night i was going to do something different i also knew that yeah i was married we had a, a my my first child on the way 
and you know we had rent. <laughs> I knew that I had to keep the lights on, had to you know pay the electricity bills, put food on the table. So I started plotting a course like how am I going to re- do this responsibly? Try to be responsible to your family if no one else. So it took me about five years to make the transition, and it started with with my book. I uh, you know I, I've always wanted to write a book. It was kind of you know on your bucket list. Right. You know, your life list. I had write books, so I thought, okay, so I'll write a book. I wrote a book, and it became an instant New York Times bestseller. And I thought, what? <laughs> I'm writing about some obscure guy, you know, running hundreds of miles through the night, and people are eating this stuff up. And I realized there's a deeper message in running, specifically in long-distance running, that resonates with people. And there's a lot of valuable life lessons that translate from running into your love life, your work life, everything. And I thought if I can if I can tap into the power of, of that transformational energy from running to help others be the best that they can be, I can make a go of this. And so after five years, I'll, I'll never forget coming into my living room, saying to my wife, "You know, I've got some news. I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna leave my job and try to make a go of it as a runner." And she looked at me and she said, "You know, I wonder what's taking you so long." <laughs> so I've, I've got a tremendous, tremendous wife, as you can tell. Wives are good. Wives are good for that stuff. Like we've, I've just been waiting for you to say when. <laughs> yep. Yeah. So, so, so right. yeah, she's supporting the whole time. Yeah. So five. I mean, five years is a, is a long time to be letting something percolate and, and ponder and kind of chew on. So you go running. You know, you run those thirty miles. You come back and you're you're probably exhausted, worn out. Do you have any? You know that like the current life and the current path you're on isn't it? Did you have any sense of what you'd rather be doing? Because it's. I mean, it's one thing to just go run thirty miles. It's another thing to feel like. Yeah, this is you know my next step is to naturally become this this uh, you know ultra marathon man. So, uh, what are you kind of thinking that maybe your next step could be away from the corporate world? Yeah, that's a really good question. I'm sure a lot of listeners are thinking, man, I I know exactly how this guy feels because I I get up every morning, go to work, and it's it's not it's not what I love. It's not me. I know it's not me, but I'm I'm not sure what is me. So you know, in my particular case, I was doing what a lot of a lot of people do. I mean, probably the same thing you did. When you're training for a marathon, I mean, I was getting up at four in the morning. You know, I was training before work. I was skipping, you know, the corporate lunches and and going for my one-hour run and kind of doing a, you know, a, a sink bath in some, you know, restaurant <laughs> or hotel bathroom and kind of cleaning up and then going back to the office. So I um I said, okay, so how are you going to do this? How are you going to monetize this uh, passion of yours? So the first thing I always encourage people to do is I just say, I just call it scripting your perfect life. So just get a, a blank slate, a piece of paper, you know, tabula rasa, and, and write down, just stream of conscious, a paragraph or two of, if you were doing exactly what you wanted to be, if you had your perfect life, write down exactly, just describe it on paper, what would that look like? Where would you be? What would you be doing? And a lot of times it surprises people, like, because they're, you know, they think, oh, you know, I should be doing this and this and that. And when they sit there and they write, God, here's how my perfect life would look. It's different than what they thought. And once you have just a vision of what is the ideal, then you have something to work toward. <laughs> right. if, if you don't know which direction you're going, it doesn't matter how fast you're, you're moving because you might not be going in the right direction. So I, I kind of scripted my perfect life. I said, okay, well, I'd be giving... I like speaking, so I'd be giving keynote presentations. I like writing. I'd write another couple books. You know, I had some great sponsors. I thought I can attract sponsors, and I can I can create content. I'm a you know I like I enjoy writing. I can write a blog, and you know I can write a newsletter. And so I started kind of coming up with these channels of revenue, saying, all right, this can replace the bonus check, and this can replace the 401k, and this can pay for you know healthcare coverage. 
and and slowly started making the transition. But I mean, running is one of those things where it's not like there's a, a carved path of there's a lot of endurance athletes out there that are making a full-time living at this. I mean, there's plenty, there's a lot of athletes out there, but very few of them are making a good living, let alone, are making any living, let alone replacing a, a good corporate position. So are you kind of looking at any examples there? Or are you just kind of figuring out as you go at, uh, in order to, to get to a point where you can make a transition? You know, the guys that I really admire, the people I was looking up to were, were people that were not necessarily runners. I mean, you may know of a guy named Tony Hawk. Right, he's sure. A prof- he's a professional skateboarder. And, you know, we're kind of from the same era. And I knew Tony when, you know, I used to skateboard when I was a kid. And I thought, here's a guy, you know, that turned skateboarding into a very lucrative career that, you know, he turned his passion for what? For, for riding a skateboard yeah. in, into this great career and this great brand. So I thought, you know... Like you said, there's no infrastructure. I mean, if you're a great, if you're one of the, the big four sports players, I mean, there's clearly a, a path to stardom. I mean, you know, you play well in high school, you get a scholarship to college. You play well collegiately, and you get drafted in the pros. You know, you, you play well in the pros, you get, you know, a, a fat check and, and all kinds of, you know, media coverage. Right. Um, you're right. With skateboarding, <laughs> there's no path like that. Um, there's a guy named Laird Hamilton, yeah. who's a famous big wave surfer. And I mean, you know, here he is, not only is surfing an obscure sport, he said, I, I don't like contest surfing. I don't want to ride two-foot waves, you know, in, in, in Huntington Beach with a million people looking at me. I want to go ride the biggest, gnarliest waves on earth in the most remote and exotic places there are. And, and he built that into a career. So I was looking up to guys like that more so than anyone else. And, you know, as far as runners, I mean, you're absolutely right. Who, who, you know, who's the one runner that, that makes a decent living doing this? And it's, it's Usain Bolt. I mean, he's a 100-meter dash. He's the fastest guy on earth. And he, you know, he's running 100 meters faster than anyone, right. which is very different than when I'm, you know, I'm running 100 miles very slow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I think there's a good I think there's a good analogy there for anybody who's going. I have this this interest, this passion, this thing that I'm into, but it's just kind of this random, obscure thing. So there may not be a clear path of how you could make that thing, you know, turn that that, that passion into your your profession or turn it into a living. But obviously, there's going to be other parallels or other industries or other careers where it's like, okay, this isn't exactly the same as what I'm doing, but I see how they did it over there, and I can pull some of the you know some of the lessons or some of the things that they have done to monetize or to turn their thing into a business and I can apply that in, in my own world. Sounds like that's pretty much what you did. That's exactly what I did. Yep, that's so, exactly what I did. And, you know, and it, I've got to say, a lot of people, I think most people live that, you know, that life of quiet desperation where they just kind of live in a trap doing what they don't really want to do. Right. And, you know, who can blame anyone? It, it is the scariest thing on earth, you know, to, to resign from your job and to step away from everything and take a you know, take a step into the unknown where you just, you basically have one person to rely on and it's the same person you see in the mirror every morning. Yeah. You know, the buck, the buck stops on your shoulder and, and that is, that's terrifying. Right. That is really a scary thing. But then again, if you're able to do it, the amount of freedom and happiness it brings are unparalleled. So in that time when you first do that 30 mile run on your 30th birthday to five years later, when you actually resign the position, obviously there's a lot that has to happen during that time. So you start running. At what point are you running enough to you feel like maybe this is a thing? Maybe I've got something here because I think there's a lot of people who may have any type of interest or hobby. You know, there's a lot of things I enjoy doing, but it doesn't necessarily mean I should or could do them at a professional or a full time level. So at what point did you determine that running was a thing that this isn't just like a I'm not just a weekend warrior, but I could, I could actually turn this into something, uh, make this into a career, into a business. 
Yeah, so there was, I would say, a very serendipitous moment, and it actually happened at the end of a 100-mile foot race. So there's a very famous 100-mile foot race in the Sierra Nevada here in California. It's called the Western States 100-Mile Endurance Run. And mm-hmm. It's a trail run, so it's all on wilderness trails. Uh, at the finish of the race, some representatives from a company called The North Face that you probably know of, it's the yeah. outdoor clothing manufacturer, they came up to me and they said, you know, Dean, um, we like this this kind of space of, of hiking and trail running. We want to develop a line of, of trail running shoes, you know, shoes that are specifically engineered for running on dirt trails. Would you help us in the development? We'd like to have an authentic runner. And I listened to them, and you know, obviously, I'm, I just had run for you know 19 hours straight. Too, you know, <laughs> mentally, physically hours, exhausted. I'm a little tired. I'm like <laughs> kind of a little foggy. I'm like, all right, you guys, let me, let me, you know, sounds good. Let me just think about this. Kind of, you know, not, not being able to make too much sense of it all. And I took about, I said goodbye to them. I took about 20 steps heading to the showers, and you know, I just all of a sudden said, this is it. This is what you've been waiting for. This is the kind of the missing link, if you will to make this into a career. And so I turned around and said, <laughs> where do I sign? Yeah. Let's, let's do this, you guys. And, and that was the moment. And, you know, that was, that was kind of back in an era, kind of, you know, just in the beginning of the Internet. It was kind of before the, the digital revolution and the whole Internet boom. And nowadays, I think it's much easier for people that have, you know, people might love to basket weave. And if, you know, if you're the best darn basket weaver in the world and that's, you know, where your, your, your passion is, you can make a go of it because, you know, you can, you can start an eBay account, you know, you can start your own online sales channel. So there's a, there's a lot of opportunity these days for people to, to do what they love and either turn it into a side vocation or actually make it their entire career. Were you ever worried, though, like if you were going to take running this thing that you love doing and turn it into a profession that it was no longer going to become fun? Because I, I think there's a lot of people who may be in that spot. Of like, I like this thing that I'm doing and it's best just left on the side. It's best just left as a hobby. So how did you kind of determine that running is not only something that I enjoy, it's not only something that I could turn into a profession, but if I actually do it, I think I'd still really enjoy doing it and it wouldn't be something that I would, I would come to dread later. How did you or did you even need to kind of make that, that decision in your own mind? No, that's a really good point. And I thought about that. I thought, you know, maybe it's best just to leave this as, as a passion on the side because if, if all of a sudden it is your career, you know, it's, it's going to be a career. It's going to be just that. Yeah. And I, I built some safety measures in, into it in that I knew that you know, I'm not just going to be a runner. I couldn't make a living just running. <laughs> you know, most of these races that I talk about, even if you win, you know, you get a trophy or a belt buckle. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's no cash. There's no cash purse. Yeah. So I knew that even if I went out and you know became a really good you know quote unquote runner and was winning all these races, it wasn't going to pay the bills. So I knew that have to be other channels and other challenges, both um, non-running challenges. I mean, you know, certainly writing is a, is a challenge for me. Um, you know, working with sponsors and maintaining those relationships is a challenge for me. I mean, you know, trying to sift through opportunities, endorsements, those kind of things. I really like the business element of, of my career as well. So I always knew that would be more than just running because I figured if you're just running every day, <laughs> it's going to get a little tiring. Yeah. And, and, you know, the other thing I've done is I haven't just run. I mean, I've done all kinds of different things, triathlons, um, adventure races, you know, 24-hour mountain bike races. Um, a lot of these, what they call obstacle course races, like, you know, the Spartan race and the men's health urban athlon. Yeah. So I've done a lot of other endurance events besides just running that, you know, bring in new challenges and, and new adventures. 
Well, and I think you alluded to something there that's really important for people to note is just because you have a certain skill set or passion, being able to have the kind of entrepreneurial mindset to turn that into a business is a totally different skill set. You know, just because you like running doesn't mean anybody's going to pay you just to go out and run around the block. So being aware of I have to I have to take not only my passion, but I have to bring this business sense to it and figure out how do I actually to make that happen. So for someone that maybe maybe listening to this, who's like, I've got this thing that I'm really, really really good at and I know I could perform at a high level whatever that that skill is but they don't feel like they have the business sense you know they they just want to run or they just want to do the basket weaving uh, but aren't really sure how to actually get paid for it what would you say to to someone like that to help them better understand just the the business side of taking their skill and turning it into a, a, an actual business you know I would say have some sort of plan try to formulate a plan of how you're going to do just what you said and you know the one thing I found is people that have a passion typically understand that business very well because when you're passionate about something you tend to take a deep dive so you understand the way it it works the way the business works the way the craft works and you have a deeper insight and knowledge than most other people and a lot of times when I talk to people that tell me just what you said like I don't have any business background I I don't know what I'm going to do here when you start to talk with them further and further you understand that wow they, they really have deep understanding of this business more so than most people because it's their passion they really have you know looked at it 360 degrees and understand both like I said the craft of doing what they do as well as the way people make a living doing it so I don't think it's as as big a hurdle as some people might think yeah Whenever you, you know, five years into it, you, you go to your wife and like, hey, I've, I've got this plan. I've got it all figured out. I'm ready to make a run at it, so to speak. It sounds like she had a great reaction. That's a bad pun, yeah. And I know, it was horrible. I got plenty of them I could, I could go with, but we'll leave it at that for now. So she's good with it. What do other people think? Is everybody like when you go to, to resign your position, are they thinking, well, he's, you know, Dean's going to take another corporate job. But whenever you tell them like, I'm going to be a, you know, a professional athlete or going to be a professional runner, are you getting people that are like, have you thought this through, Dean? I mean, you may be on a, a really long runner's high right now that you're going to come down from at some point and realize maybe you've made a bad decision here. Are people questioning your decision there? I, very much so. Yeah. It's, I would say it's a, it's a, when you do something like that, it's very polarizing. <laughs> yeah. There's no one that kind of says, oh, you know, that, that's cool. People are like, dude, you're crazy. Like, you're going to be, you know, you're going to be homeless. Yeah. And, you know, and certainly sometimes people that, you know, your family members who you think are most supportive are the least supportive. So it's, it's very surprising when you do something like that. The, the reaction people get, I think sometimes also there's, there's a bit of jealousy by some people. Sure. Because they haven't had the courage to step out of, of something they hate or something that, that doesn't bring them a lot of internal fulfillment and satisfaction. So it, it is, yeah, it's, it's very de- divisive and it's, uh, it's unsettling. I mean, I won't say there haven't been challenges. But both, uh, you know, with, with paying the bills and with, you know, psychologically dealing with, with some of the rejection that some people kind of shine upon you. But I would say overall, most people, even if they, if they have a negative reaction, you can tell they admire your courage. They sure. admire what you're doing. Yeah. How often, especially during those early years, those first few years, while you're kind of getting established and building a business and building a brand around yourself, how often are you second guessing your decision and, and maybe going, you know, maybe maybe this needs to just be a weekend thing. Maybe I need to just go back and find a corporate gig and maybe I just need to go back to that, that nine to five world. How often are you are you wondering if you made a mistake? 
Oh, I mean, I'm not going to deny it. There's self-doubt. I mean, there's a, you know, there's always going to be self-doubt. And I think that's a healthy thing. Sure. You know, between you and me, I, I imagine that if I had stayed in the business world, I would be probably, you know, it'd be, it'd be a more lucrative career path, I would say. Yeah. Uh, it'd bring a lot less fulfillment, you know, fulfillment. That. At a point, you just kind of say, money does not, it doesn't buy, <laughs> it doesn't buy me happiness. I mean, I'm a very simple guy, and I don't care if I was making more money doing something I was unhappy doing. It's it's not worth it. I mean, who who wants to spend their whole life, you know, not doing what they love? So I'm always kind of second guessing, and I think that you know that second guessing and saying, you know, did you make the right decision, and kind of scrutinizing and analyzing some of the decisions you do make is a good thing. Yeah. And it certainly for, it forces you to learn skills that people say you need to have that are important. I mean, people can tell you, yeah, it's really important to delegate. Well, you know, how do you learn how to delegate? Right. <laughs> throw yourself into a situation where you, you need to delegate. Yeah. And if you don't, you'll never survive. So that's how you learn to delegate. And, it, you know, when you take on new challenges like that, you develop skills very quickly, just kind of as survival and become second nature. For someone that maybe listen to this and maybe they've got, maybe they're in a similar spot of their work and their, their corporate gig. They don't love it. They don't hate it. They just know it's not what they'd rather be doing and trying to figure out maybe that next step for them. Maybe they've got their, you know, they've got their version of running and they've got their thing that they want to make a leap to in your own transition of going from something you hated to something that you love. Is there anything that you would have done different to make that transition smoother? I just would have started earlier. <laughs> yeah. I literally would have. I mean, I, it was like, why did I wait so long? Yeah, that, that's the only thing I would have done differently. But how do you know when that right time is, you know? Because five years is a long time, yeah, but you also want to, you know, when you're going from the, the known to the unknown, and a really unknown, whenever you're starting your own thing, and especially in a kind of an, uh, an up-and-coming industry, but there's still not a real track record of how you could make a living as an individual brand. So how do you know when the right time is to go from the, the known to the unknown and make that leap? You don't, is the answer. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you can never know. I think it's just a gut feeling. I think if you just tune, if you look inward, you know if, if it's the right time or not. I mean, you, you know, like, okay, I've hit the flashpoint. I'm going to make a go of this. You know, people say, when is the right time to have a child? Well, it kind of never is the right time, right? Right. right. I mean, and then, and then all of a sudden a child comes along and, and you're so happy because of it and you, your life changes and evolves in a good sort of way and you know and you look back and say wow i never you know this was an accident it's been a beautiful accident yeah so i don't think that you know you'll you'll never know a hundred percent it's the right time but i think you get the inclination internally like okay i've hit that flashpoint. i am so committed to make a go of this that um i've got to do it it seems like one of those things where you didn't want to have the regret of not trying it. You know, like I've always said, there's, there's two types of regret. There's the things that you do that you wish you hadn't done. And we all had our fair share of those, our 30th birthday moments. But then there's the things that you, you didn't do that you wish you had tried. And it sounds like for you, you just got to a point where like, I got to at least, even if I tried this and it failed, I want to at least know that I gave it a, a legitimate shot rather than to fast forward and get to my deathbed and look back and be like, dang, I, I think I could have given that running thing. I think I could have made a go of it, but I'll never know because I, I didn't even try. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, there's a famous saying and you know, it's, it's, it's uh, failure doesn't stop people. The fear of failure does. Yeah. <laughs> So, I mean, if, if you fail, and I've certainly failed many, in many steps, I've, you know, I've had many missteps, you learn from your failures. And that's, how you, that's how you become better. I mean, I, I now celebrate failure. I'm like, I love bold failures, <laughs> yeah. big, audacious, bold failures, because that's how you learn. Failing won't stop you. I mean, if you're tenacious and you actually, you know, it provides a great lesson, 
but it's I think it's the fear of failing that prevents people from trying. Well, also, I think it, it kind of expands your horizons or your, your own mental boundaries of what you think is possible. And I think there's so many analogies there to running that you ask anybody that's never run before if they could ever run a marathon, and they'd say absolutely not. But like anybody that has done a marathon would tell you, like anybody could do one. It won't be pretty at all. And that's fine. And it's not about being pretty. And you don't need to put on makeup at the finish line. But you can do it. And once you do it, then it expands your mind to what is possible. And I know that's kind of for me what happened with doing a, a half marathon was, I'm, the plan was to only ever do a half and doing that half and finishing it's like man I'm in you know I'm in pretty decent shape at this point so there's a full in a couple months so let's give that a shot and so kind of just taking that next logical step expands the possibility of what you know what you may be capable of well and, and I mean now I think you just tapped on the power of, of running it's very symbolic because um, running is, is black and white you know life is ambiguous you know we don't always we think we're going in the right direction, and, and the rules change, right? The, the finish line gets moved around. Um, with running, you know, you, you know what it takes to, to be successful. You know what it takes to reach your goal, and that is, you know, a finish line, 26.2 miles, a marathon distance in the future. <laughs> yeah. And the rules of engagement are very black and white. You either make it 26.2 and you succeed, or, you know, you don't make it and you fail. And for people that, to take that on, it's transformational because – it proves to them that you know they're better than they thought they ever could be, and they can go further than they thought they ever could. Yeah. And when they cry, and that's why I encourage people to tackle a marathon. I mean, when you you saw it, crossing that finish line is the most empowering feeling in the world. It's it's not just wow, I'm a good athlete now. It's like I can take on anything. I mean, yeah. I, look what yeah. I just accomplished. So I think the marathon is a great distance, and I think it provides a great life lesson along the way. And I encourage people, you know, sign up. Do it for charity. You know, pick one of these great charity programs like Team and Training, and do it for charity, and, and run a marathon, and it will it will change who you are. And I want to ask you a couple more questions about the running itself, but we're going to get to that in the the bonus material here that people can download and check out. So uh, to wrap up here, Dean, where can we find out more about you? Uh, I know for me, uh, Ultra Marathon Man, the book was a, a book that was that really kind of kicked me in the butt. Like, all right, man, I I think I think I could give this running thing a shot. So tell us about where we can find some some more information about you. Yeah, I think just, you know, actually, I've still got one of these things called the website. Yeah. <laughs> People don't remember what those things are anymore, but, you know, I've got a website, and it's just uh, ultramarathonman.com. So you can just go to that website, and there's, you know, there's information about the, you know, I've written uh, three books now, so there's information about the books. I do a lot of speaking, public speaking, both um, corporate keynotes and just, you know, general audience speaking. So my schedule's on there if someone wants to come out and, and hear me talk. Uh, but just go to my website. That's the best place you can learn about me, if you so desire. Yeah. And if you're, if you're intrigued at all about running, not only do you want to check out his website and check out uh, some of his books there, but we'll also make sure that you stick around for the, the bonus time. So, Dean, thanks for the time, man. Really appreciate it, buddy. Right on, Grant. Charge on, brother. All right. Good stuff. Hope you enjoyed that interview with Dean Carnassus, author, blogger, runner, just all around good dude. You know, hope you were encouraged and inspired by that, uh, that episode of a guy who makes his living from running. If he can make a living from running, surely you can figure out 
how to do what it is that you're passionate about. And I love that, you know, just our, our conversation there. And he was talking about, you know, when he was interested in getting into running, it, it's not like there's a clear path of, no pun intended there, a clear path of how you get into this business, how you start a career as a full-time runner. And so he, you know, he talked about looking at for people in similar paths, doing something that you wanted to do and, and learning from, from them. So for him, it was skateboarding and, and surfing. It was, you know, Tony Hawk and looking at how he built his business around skateboarding, figuring out how he could do that around running. I also like that he took a, he took a huge pay cut, but he's figured it out as he's gone along and that pay cut was worth the trade-off. And so maybe for you, maybe one of the things that's holding you back, that's keeping you from making some type of transition from from work you're kind of eh on into work that you really, really love is that you're like, you're making a good living and that's okay. Like you, we all want to eat and live indoors. Those things are important. But uh, maybe for you, you're like, man, maybe it's it's worth taking a pay cut. Maybe it's worth making a little less in order to, to really love what you're doing. Because listen, life is too short to do something you hate. You know, there's far too many people who live life where it's like, thank God it's Friday. Oh God, it's Monday. And maybe you know exactly what that's like. And so maybe episodes like and interviews like uh, this with Dean is helping you realize like, you could do something you really, really enjoy. And so Dean is making a career, and you can hear the ups and downs of it in his voice, but he's doing something he really, really enjoys. Now, if you liked that interview, if you liked uh, having Dean as a guest, make sure that you go download the bonus material. We talked for another couple minutes here. If you are interested in getting started with running, where do you even begin? Okay, I'm, I'm interested in maybe doing a, uh, a 5K or 10K half marathon or a full marathon someday. Where do you even start? So we talk a little bit about that, how you get started in running. And then we also talk about one of his craziest and funniest experiences as a runner. So it's a, it's a great story. You're not going to want to miss that. You can go to grantbaldoncom slash 79 to download that that bonus material. Again, that's grantbaldoncom slash seven nine. Hey, if you like this interview, if you like the nature of this, one thing that we I want to encourage you to do is we've got a bunch of episodes in the archives, a bunch of different types of interviews and a bunch of different types of careers that we've covered and talked about. Uh, several that I think you, you might be interested in. So if you like this one, you might like some of these. So uh, episode 15, we talked to Jake Thompson, who's created a uh, apparel company and, and basically a lifestyle brand called Compete. And it's really big in the CrossFit community. You might want to check that out. Also, episode 42 with Drew Pittman, who's an NFL agent. Really good story there. Uh, just kind of a, a modern day Jerry Maguire. Episode 45 with Jeremy Meyer, who's a CrossFit athlete as a gym owner. And then uh, recently, uh, last week, we had episode 76 with Grant Wistrom, who has played in the NFL for nine seasons and also played in three Super Bowls. So if you want to know what it's like to play in the NFL, what it's like specifically to play and win and lose a Super Bowl, make sure you go back and you listen to episode 76 with Grant Westrom. All right, I think that wraps up this episode. Hey, uh, one other thing. If you haven't already, we would love to hear from you. Uh, we'd love for you to leave us a rating and review within iTunes. Those help other people find the show, helps other people to learn about the show, and uh, helps us just to make sure we're on track with what it is that you are, are looking for. We got a great uh, review the other day from, uh, what is this, Dylan290, I believe is the username here. I said, uh, if you need inspiration and guidance or just great stories, this podcast is for you. Grant draws from some amazing database of people who are in a living doing work they love. Generally, these people started out in completely, completely all caps there, in completely different fields and have fantastic stories. Uh, yeah, fantastic stories to share about their journey when asked, how did you get into that? So really good stuff. Dylan290, thanks for leaving that. Hey, we'd love for you to leave us a rating or review within iTunes or Stitcher. You can go to grantbaldo.com slash iTunes. 
iTunes or GrantBaldwin.com slash Stitcher and uh, leave us your kind thoughts there. All right, I think that's it. Hey, as always, feel free to email me, Grant to GrantBaldwin.com or hit me up on Twitter, on uh, Facebook, Instagram, any of those places. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, Otherwise, we will talk to you next week. You're awesome. Cheers. Thanks for listening to the How Did You Get Into That podcast with Grant Baldwin. Don't forget to visit grantbaldwin.com for all the show notes and links discussed in today's episode. We'll see you next time.